you're very welcome along to the latest edition. We stopped counting a long time ago because numbers aren't our forte. It's News Talks SSE or Tristy League of Ireland podcast with me, Richie McCormack. And me, Oisín Langan. Well, well done, Dundalk. Fair play, lads. That's all we have to say. Go on the town. A 2-2 draw over in Iceland against FH Hafnar Fridor. Thank God we don't have to say that much anymore. Uh, we will do a couple of times throughout the course of uh, this week's edition of the podcast because we will be talking about that fantastic progress. Before we go Hafnar out the door. God, it's the puns I'm going to miss the most. Um, yeah, we're going to be talking about that uh, fantastic result for the town uh, with Kevin Doherty a little bit later on. Yes, we are. But I don't think it was that fantastic. Why so? Because they beat a team they were expected to beat. They should be beating Icelandic teams. Like, fair play to them. Good performance. But at times they look jittery and nervous. And I was thinking, why do you look jittery and nervous? You should be better than this lot. You're quite clearly a superior footballing team. I was uh, keeping an eye on the game last night as we speak. Um, and at the end of it, I compared it to... Because at times they look really comfortable. And we'll get into it in more detail with Kevin. But at times they look really comfortable, but again, they were just sloppy in possession, which gave FH chances at uh, scoring, which they twice took, obviously enough. But I, I, afterwards, I uh, kind of likened it to watching a mate go out with a now ex-girlfriend or ex-boyfriend in that it's constantly on the verge of a spectacular collapse. And by the end of it, they don't come away from it any better of the heart. That's really be true, because I've gone out with loads of your exes and it's always the same. Loads of them because I've been let down and heartbroken so often in my life. Thank yeah, celebrity you like yourself. For reminding me of that. Oshin. Yeah, we'll be talking about uh, Dundalk's draw in Iceland and what may come from Bate Borisov, should they know themselves after last year. Uh, and also Cork and St. Pat's still to be in Europa League second leg action. And that will be dropped in at some point later on. Yes, it will. As we speak, as we record the first draft of the podcast, they have yet to play. And I'm looking forward to my trip to Cork. But if you're listening to the recut, re-edited, director's cut version on Friday, then we will reflect on a good, stroke bad, stroke indifferent night in Europe for Irish clubs in the Europa League here. McNulty hoops it down towards the shed end. The referee looks at his watch and blows the whistle. And Cork City achieve a famous result in the Europa League. They've beaten PK Hacken 1-0 on the night and 2-1 on aggregate. And they march on to the third qualifying round of the Europa League. Thanks, Richie and I. Welcome to Turner's Cross. If you're listening to the director's cut version, re-released on Friday, then you already know that Cork City have reached the third qualifying round of the Europa League. You also know at this stage who they'll play. As we speak at Turner's Cross, having travelled back in time, we don't know. That game is an extra time. One thing we do know is that Kevin O'Connor got the goal against BK Hacken, and that has helped City through to the third qualifying round with a 1-0 win against BK Hacken here at the Cross. That means it finished 2-1 on aggregate. Kevin O'Connor, the goal scorer, with me here at the Cross. Kevin, talk to me about that moment when the ball went in. How did that feel? Oh, it was an incredible moment, obviously. It's, it's not expected, but uh, obviously when it comes, you just have to take it. And I think it was just just enjoyment, just jubilance from the whole crowd, from everyone, that we got the goal. And obviously, I think it settled us down, actually, when we did get the goal. And it's, I think we got it came at a perfect time. It's exactly what we needed, but just delighted you to get the goal and get through to the next round. I didn't care who scored it. As long as we got a goal and got through, that was the main thing. It looked like a perfectly executed set piece. Right down to the deflection, which you knew would happen and you knew that would put it past the keeper. Yeah, well, we do work on a few things on the training ground. Obviously, you've seen it there, but obviously it was a great ball in from Greg and my target was just to get it on target more than anything and manage to keep it down. And obviously anything can happen from there. And took a little nick. Obviously, I thought it was going in anyway, but it took <laughs> a little nick, which helped it in. So uh, I can't complain, you know, obviously it's a goal in Europe and this is what everyone dreams of. So I'm just happy, happy we, we got through more than anything. Former Cork City captain Dan Murray, we're going to hear from him in a few minutes. He's already said that this was one of your best ever performances in a City jersey. Yeah, I'd agree with Dan there. Obviously, I played with Dan last year and I thought he was absolutely brilliant, but uh, I just, obviously, it was a massive game for the club, you know, and I think you can't single anybody out. I think to a man, one to 11, and then obviously the subs who came on, I think everyone just put in a shift and everyone worked worked as hard as they could for everybody else on the pitch, and uh, we just enjoyed it, you know, we were, we were just. It was obviously a game we wanted to win, but I think the more you enjoy it, the better you'll play. And it was just taking every moment as it came, and we we're just happy we got through. And obviously, it's a great achievement for the club, for the fans. We've seen how good the fans were tonight, and they were right behind us. And I think that spurs everybody on the pitch on. So we're just happy to get through and see who we face now in the next round. It's a fantastic achievement. Um, 
he sat back deep for a while in this game they had a couple of chances but that was always going to happen is it possible to sit deep and be comfortable as he looked at times tonight I think so yeah I think I think as you you play the better teams you have to respect them and see that they're going to have a lot of possession because they, they're they're a very good side Bika Hacken are a very good side and obviously they won the cup final they beat Malmo in the cup final last year which shows just how good they can be and um Obviously, we know their pace up front and we have to sit deep sometimes because we're not going to have the ball a lot, depending on how good they are. But I think I think we, we had a few hairy moments in the first 20 minutes, but after that, I think the goal settled us down. I think then, even though we were defending deep, I think I don't think they really caused us too much problems. They were uh, shooting from 20, 25 yards and I think Nulse was always happy enough with that and we were happy enough with that because they weren't causing as much problems in behind or they weren't getting really clear-cut chances and that that just shows how good our defending is and how good we are but um, obviously we have to keep that going and have to keep it up for 90 minutes and it's tough but to a man I think everybody just stood up and was counted for tonight and I thought everyone was brilliant so you use the ball very well at times okay Sean Maguire was a bit isolated up front but when you actually pushed forward and you came up from full back and you in fact won the free that Greg whipped in for your goal that's when you looked at your best is that something you think you need to do more of certainly in European games maybe all games look we'll concentrate on Europe for the moment because that's that's the conversation right now yeah I think that, that's that's true like obviously Sean he's a great target man that we have up there he holds the ball up so well but I think the likes of Stephen Dooley and Stephen Beattie as well on the counter attack I think we're a great side because the pace we have going forward and obviously the midfielders backing up but uh, we know as I said we know we weren't going to have a lot of possession we just had to make the most of it when we got it and obviously when we did get it we had to try keep it and I thought we done that very well at, at stages tonight I thought at stages we could have done it better but um, obviously you have to pick your moments when, when you have to go forward and when you have to try win things and I just saw a chance and I thought we were we were looking good and obviously just broke forward and got the free but uh, obviously didn't expect a goal to come yeah. from you're hoping a goal comes from yeah. it but you're not expecting but uh, I thought I thought the three lads up front they, they set the stone, they set the benchmark for us and uh, pressed when they had to and dropped off when they had to and obviously when we catch them on the counter attack I think we look a great side Just before I let you go how does this compare to winning a, a domestic honour a big European night big performance going through as Alan Bennett has said, you know, it's only four games, but it still feels like you've achieved something, and that's something that can breed confidence and give you something extra. Yeah, it's massive, obviously. it's uh, Obviously, it'd be great to win domestically, but I think Europe just brings another buzz around around the city, around the, <laughs> the stadium, everything. I think the crowd came out in force tonight and just shows how good, how, how good Europe is. Like, you can't beat Thursday nights, European nights, obviously. It's, uh, it's so enjoyable for a player to be out there and play it, and obviously we created a bit of history tonight, and... We're just looking to create more history and uh, push on and see who we get now and hopefully we can hopefully we can go out there and get a result and bring him back here and show him how good we are again. And I don't know what it is about Wexford men in Cork City. Kevin Doyle, a great performer here. You, a great performer here. Uh, a proud night for everyone at home, I'm sure. Yeah, I think uh, my fam- a few of my family are down at the game, so I think it's a, it's a proud moment for everyone. But uh, I think whether you're a Cork man or Wexford man, I think it's just a proud night for the club more than anything. And uh, Bulger's Wexford as well. Isn't surely it? is, yeah. Overtaking over down here. Cork City Yeah, I'm telling you. But um, yeah, Greg's a Wexford man as well. So yeah. there's a couple of us down here now. Yeah. But uh, oh, I think it's just great for the club, and obviously we're delighted to get through to the next round. And that's what we came to do, and we we done it. And obviously you now we'll be looking to do the same again in the next round. Kevin O'Connor, thanks for joining us on News Talks SSE Electricity League podcast on the director's cut uh, that you're listening to. Cork City have qualified for the third qualifying round of the Europa League. We've just heard from Kevin O'Connor. We're about to hear from Captain Dan Murray, our former Captain Dan Murray, on a great night in City. But before we do, here's Alan Bennett. He's been through a few highs and lows with City over the years. I asked him how this compares to some of the other highs. It's well up there, Oshane, you know. It's a good night. It's always nice to keep a clean sheet in Europe. We were under a bit of pressure, obviously, at times. We had to uh, sit in and keep our shape. But I'm just so happy, you know, so relieved, really. Um, at the moment, we don't really know where we're going next week because the other game's got extra time. So it's just exciting. It's, it's, it's great, you know. Talk to me about the first half. A couple of balls cleared off the line. Yeah. But as you say, you kept a good shape and you looked comfortable at times. They were always going to have chances. Absolutely, yeah. They had to come out, you know what I mean? They had to come out because they were, they were, you know, we had the way goal, so they had to come out and try and play. And... They had they have really good quality players at the, the three up top, you know. But we always felt that if we kept it solid, we would get chances, and that's the set piece off straight off the training ground that we work on, you know. So with Kev O'Connor scoring, so we're really happy that's come off. And the game plan, 
looked perfect because John actually said it before the game and he wasn't bullcrapping he said they're going to have more possession technically they're a very good side so we have to work around that and you did absolutely yeah absolutely you know it'd be naive to look at it any other way um, they wanted to try and get us um, like exploit us on a counter you know what I mean like, like move the ball quickly through the phases and get it up the pitch but if we just kept our shape and uh, we spoke about it at half time again we just ironed out a few issues you know we're getting really good at that as a, as a team you know during the game things are happening it's moving around really quickly we're really good at working things out ourselves you know so um, that was that was the most pleasing thing on the day for me yeah. how do you compare the feeling of winning a big European match like this to we'll say clinching a league title or winning a cup or winning a ga- big game of football with you know Cork City, Wimbledon, yeah. whoever. It's strange, you know, because like we've actually only played four games and we're probably making more money now than we would, you know, after a whole league. A whole Do league the players campaign. think of that side? Do they kind of think of what it means to the club and where it can bring you? Of course, like you kind of read it and think about it, and everyone understands, you know, what's involved in it, the exposure, everybody coming to the games tonight. It's just a different level, Do you know. The, I saw the rugby kind of go through something similar years ago, where 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 the European um, adventures really caught caught fire there, and I think the same could happen here. Listen, the club's at 50 European appearances. It should be about 450. You know what I mean? In my mind, like I'm on 24 appearances in that like It should be 124. Like that's the way the club should go. That's the way it should be happening, and hopefully we'll see that in the future. Dan Murray, firstly, your reaction to the result. Awesome, brilliant. I think it's uh, fully deserved. Everything, everything that comes with it, financially, and everything for the league. Really, it's uh, it's brilliant and uh, uh, something great to look forward to. Like I said, not sure who they're, who they're going to be playing yet, but uh, it's a brilliant result. And honestly, I, I thought it's fully deserved. They hung on at times tonight. They lived dangerously, Cork City. They did, uh, yeah. But I think uh, they, they. I was I was pretty disappointed in the Swedes. I honestly didn't see them in the in the first leg live, but. Uh, I wouldn't say Mark Minoli had too many uh, real chances to say maybe the first just before Cork City scored I think that was where, when they were under the most pressure they looked a bit edgy Cork the crowd were a bit edgy it was pretty quiet in here to be honest for a European night but after they scored the goal fully uh, fully thought Cork were play, played really well I think uh, obviously two centre-halves goalkeeper played really well left-back Kevin O'Connor was the best player on the pitch I fought for the whole game and uh, like I, say, I think everyone put a shift in from BE, Bolger as always, Gerard Morrissey. I think Gary Buckley is the best I've seen him play for a long time, especially in the second half. And uh, like you say, they're, it was a great result, great team performance. And like I say, I think they've, uh, they've caught this Cork side, uh, they don't concede many goals. And if you don't concede many goals, you're going to have a great chance of winning matches. And uh, that's what they did today, I think. Uh, you can say they were hold, holding on towards the end, but they put themselves in that position to be able to, to do that really. And uh, like, but when it got to when it got to the final ten minutes, you were waiting for an onslaught. It didn't really come. Cork, uh, Cork really kept kept the ball better as the game went on. And uh, I, I I think uh, they'll, they'll they'll relish going through to the next round. John Caulfield made no secret of it before this game. He said Hacken are technically superior. They will have more possession, so it would be idiotic of us to think we could attack them at high pace all the time with the ball. Cork City's setup tonight was was perfect for this game, wasn't it? He got his game plan exactly right. Perfect, I thought. Perfect. I think, uh, like I say, I think most most of these uh, most of the teams that we do play in Europe are technically better than us. That's just the way they're brought up compared to what 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 the Irish and, and the Irish teams are used to. So. Uh, uh, but like I say, the game plan was perfect. They didn't have to go and chase anything. That was as simple as that. The Swedes had to come and score a goal. To, to be honest, I, I don't think they really gave it a go. I think Cork were pretty comfortable for, for, for most of the night, apart from a couple of mistakes. I think the only thing, probably watching it from that, I think John will take something that they need to do better is probably keep the possession a bit better because watching the highlights of the first leg, they, they kept the ball a lot better better that game than they did tonight. But uh, like I say, it's brilliant for, brilliant for the club. Brilliant for the league with Dundalk going through last night, and uh, like I say, we, we we want as many positives as we can in League of Ireland as much as we can. Negatives are spoke about more than anything else, but the, this week the two positives: Dundalk getting through, Cork getting through financially for the two clubs gives them something to build on. They are the best two teams in the country by a good distance from what I've seen this season so far. So uh, let's let's help them out as much as we can and hopefully they can progress even further than they have already what does it do 
to a squad and for a squad when you get through a couple of rounds of Europe and win a big one like they have done tonight? Well, like I say, I think the confidence grows within a team. Like you say, uh, Cork City at the start of the season went out to win the league, win the cup, do well in Europe. They've done they've done well in Europe so far, and this the momentum is going to keep them going into the league. I think when I used to play, the more games yeah. you played, the better you felt about yourselves. That's what I felt like. I think Dundalk and Cork will feel the same. I think uh, they'll take all, all all the positives that they can. Like you say, there's. The, this this is the best squad I think uh, John's had at Cork since he's been in. So they're moving in the in the right direction. I'd say now they've got through through a round. I'd say John might be knocking on the chairman's door maybe to get a couple of yeah. players in because uh, you can you can never have enough players with the amount of games that they're going to be playing now. And like you say, they've got a, a, a great a great game to look forward to in the next couple of weeks. And who knows if we can get get it back to t- hopefully I don't know if it's the first where's the first leg second I'm leg I'm not quite sure to be honest if you could have I the second concentrate leg. on one game at a yeah. time <laughs> that's <laughs> uh, so like you say if you're going to get the second leg back at Turner's Cross with the game all to play for I think the place will be even more yeah. rocking than it was tonight and uh, uh, there's no better place to play on a European night than here is it as good as winning a league winning these big European games I mean financially it nearly is but you know just for a player's I was going to say ego that's probably the wrong word for a player's confidence or for a sense of achievement um, well obviously not I think uh, at the end of your career probably you look about what you've won but at the time the club definitely probably it's bad to say but financially the club are better off doing well in Europe than they are winning the league that's just the way it is that's not going to it's not going to change probably any time soon but I think uh, Ronan, Ronan Finn said it in the paper during the week I think you're more remembered on how well you've done in Europe a lot of the time. Like yeah. He was lucky enough to play in the, the group stages and hope they, they've got a good chance of doing it again. So maybe that's what you remember. That's when you get to play the, the best of the best. So uh, ho- hopefully we can get, get another team to get that far once again. Finally, if I was to offer you either the Europa League group stage <laughs> or the league title right now, which one would you take? As a Cork player or a Dundalk? We we'll go Cork first. League title all day long. This this uh, Cork City definitely need uh, uh, a trophy to, to get back from where they've come from. We can talk about the bad times when they went nearly bust and supporters had to take over the club. So I think a trophy now for Cork is uh, definitely definitely what it needs just to just to take it onto another level. Whereas Dundalk group stages I think now would be massive for them we've, we've spoke they they've kind of only, done it in yeah. Ireland now haven't they even if you know I keep, they keep keep talking about they're the best uh, best team maybe that's played in the league for a long time yeah. let's hope that they can go and prove it and get to the group stages and uh, prove that they were and like say people stop talking about what happened to Rovers back when it happened yeah. Dundalk and happen again and see how, how far the league maybe have come since then Dan Murray, former Cork City captain, thanks for joining us at Turner's Cross on the News Talk SSE Electricity League podcast. Uh, now it's time to go back to Richie and I in the director's cut version. You'll know exactly what I mean. We recorded a version on Thursday before Cork City and St. Pat's played. Unfortunately, Pat's haven't got through, Cork City have. Anyway, I'm just kind of filling time and bringing you back in time. Back to Richie and I. There you go. What a pick an adjective good night it was. stroke bad stroke indifferent night it was yeah if you are still listening on Thursday though keep listening lots of great stuff still to come including reflections upon last night Wednesday night in Iceland for Dundalk and their progress to the third qualifying round of the UEFA European Champions League yes and we're going to hear now from Stephen Kenny and goal scorer David McMillan he scored a brace of goals they spoke to Adrian Taff of LMFM Will Downing and Damien Lynch brought you the game on Air Sport. We were glued to it and even though we didn't see Damien's face, we know he looked handsome. I see you down the town. It's a great victory for the club, you know, and for the work everyone does behind the scenes, it's a great reward for that for them, you know, tonight to win away in Europe like that. The ball, great delivery, what a chance it is, and FH have scored. We didn't get close to them for, for, for the first 15 minutes and they got their goal. We have individual players that probably they don't. Daryl Horgan and Patrick McElhenney who can dribble at you and, and really commit players. And Daryl and Patrick got us in the game then with their individual skill and the talent that they have. For the last 20 minutes of the first half, we were very good. First 20 minutes of the second half, we were very good. 
they missed a penalty, show character, come back and get two goals. Great support we had here. That, that, we scored the two goals and the support has end. And it's great, great to have that. Morgan received from Massey. He's got a brilliant pullback. What a chance at a goal. And McMillan's done it again. It's been a brilliant uh, few weeks. You know, I've spoken to Stephen both at the beginning of the year and during the break about what, what I can improve on as a player. And, um, you know, I suppose recently I've just tried to make sure I'm in the box a little bit more, score more from crosses, which, you know, I've done in recent weeks. And, uh, you know, make sure I'm a threat. You know, obviously <clears throat> people spoke about Richie going last year and uh, Richie was a man that was great. He was always in the box. He was always on the end of things. And, you know, people needed to fill that void. And I think um, both myself and Kieran believed we could we could score, you know, a lot of goals this year. And, we, and we've done that, thankfully. We've, you know, 20 between us, I think so, um, and hopefully many more to come. And what a way to get into the next round! And it's their old friends, Bata Borisov, who eliminated them last year. Who they'll face the next two Wednesday nights? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, we've got to believe we can, we can go out and win. I think we probably surprised them a little bit last year with, with our own quality. I think they probably thought they'd have an easier side than they did, and we pushed them very close. So. Look, you can't can't but believe you've got a chance. Um, if you go out there thinking you're going to lose, you're definitely going to lose. You know that's that's life. Um, but I think, look, we'll go at it. We'll give it everything we have. You know, we approached it last year the way we approach every game. We went and attacked, and we we got a good away result. So look, we'll try and do the same again. It won't be easy. You know, they are they've been in the group stages for a number of years, so they've got the experience. But look, we'll give it a give it our all. Must have been particularly enjoyable scoring at the end where those age and dog fans were amassed. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and obviously at the early on, even when we were doing the warm up, you could hear them. They were cheering, you know, screaming everyone's name. It was brilliant, and you can see the enjoyment in the fans there leaving tonight. Um, so yeah, it was nice to be able to celebrate at that end. I wasn't, I wasn't looking forward to running from the far end out to them, but uh, no, their support was absolutely superb tonight. You could hear them from the get go. You know, they were they were louder than the home fans, and uh, that gave us a big boost even before the game kicked off. Probably had the best performance, one of my best performances that we ever played last year in Belarus, and uh, it's a stadium the players will enjoy playing in. Opposition that they know well. Obviously, Bate showed their their, uh, their quality beating Roma uh, in the group, taking four points off them. But listen, from our point of view, I think we can get better than we were tonight. And you know, uh, so I think we've got to push on now and, and not stand still and try and devise a way of playing for next week and, and try and and try and get a result. There you have it, Dundalk's the story of it. Their two-two draw in Iceland that sees them progress on away goals three-three to the third qualifying round on another large check and they are away to Bate Borisov in the first leg of that third qualifying round tie next week and here to speak to us about that Dundalk progress and everything else in between is former Shelburne manager Kevin Doherty Kevin you're very welcome back to thanks, the podcast Rishi, thanks very much cheers for coming in firstly uh, your thoughts last night Oshin mentioned it at the, at the top of the pod that this is a side that Dundalk should have been seen to be beating and they did dispatch them albeit with a couple of draws but was it an impressive performance from Dundalk from your point of view? Yeah, well, the first thing I I had only I'd seen the highlights, obviously, of the f- the first leg, and just from the highlights alone, it looked like Dundalk were a far far superior team, even based on the chances they would have been kicking themselves that the tie wasn't nearly mm. over going over to, to Iceland. But for the first twenty minutes of of last night's match, I I was really surprised. I thought that um, FH were were much the better side, and I was a bit worried to be honest. Um, it took. Probably Daryl Horgan's little burst down the left that time, but they had a good chance to. For it looked like Dundalk had anything really. Um, I was surprised as we've played Dundalk and how everyone knows how how good they are and what a good side. I just I was surprised how far ahead I thought the other team were. Well, this, was this something that we alluded to? I suppose last week is that Dundalk are, given the fact that I suppose FH are kind of an unknown quantity from their point of view, Dundalk are unwilling to impose their game as they ordinarily would week in and week out and dominate the likes of your Longfords and your your Bows or whatever. That they can't, they feel that they can't go and do these things in Europe. When I suppose the second half, the majority of it, proved that they can. If they get in the ball in midfield, particularly, they can dominate these sides. Oh, absolutely, they can, and and they should have that belief. And and I think they did. They do have the belief. Um, they're certainly saying the right things, and I I I believe that they're a confident group, and they they, they certainly know that they're as fit as any team they're going to come across, full time or part time teams. Ability wise, they're second to none, obviously in this country. But going over there, maybe I don't know. They thought that it was going to be a little bit easier because they dominated so much last yeah. week. But I, I, I was certainly caught in the hop. I, I, I thought um, FH were were better than Dock in the, in the first twenty odd minutes. But as I said, once Dundalk Dock got into their rhythm, and the the big turning point was obviously the, the substitution at halftime, bringing Robbie Benson on. It was a massive, massive difference. Um, Stephen pushed McElhaney on to the right and was able to push uh, Ronan Finn further a bit because mm. I felt in the first. Is there half, any reason why he wouldn't have done that from the start? Well, it's been working. Like they they win every game playing that way, and 
I just felt for, for whatever reason last last. As in, night, sorry, that the way he changed it to has been working, or the way they started no, the way, has been the working. The way they started has been working. Okay. With Mountney playing on the right and Macmillan up. Macmillan scores like so many goals. He scored seven in the previous three or four before that, and I obviously scored twice last night. So he was happy enough with the with the formation and the shape and having O'Donnell sitting there in front of the back four and, and pushing Finn on with McElhaney. Having said that, I thought, looking at it, that a lot of the time McElhaney was ending up in the centre-forward position. So they were a little bit like 4-4-2 at, at stages. I know that wasn't the formation they played, but the, he's such a good player, McElhaney, that he needs to be playing in between the lines and he caused a lot of problems to, to teams, ourselves included, when we played them earlier in the season. Um, that the change of formation allowed... Obviously, for Benson to come in and sit beside O'Donnell and control the midfield, he's, he's a really, really good player, Robbie Benson. Um, he'll, he'll take off from here now, I'm sure. Um, and allow Finn to push forward. And even McElhaney going down onto the right, he was able to come inside because that's something that FH were doing there too. You wouldn't even call them wide men were coming in inside a lot. So there was a, a bit of an overload in midfield, I felt, in the, in, in the first half um, in FH's favour. But I definitely think the, the substitution was the big turning point. Going forward, though, is it something that's given the experience that they have from Borisov from last season that they can, I suppose, reset and maybe go with the idea of playing Benson and, and packing the midfield as they did for the second half last night? Is that something that Stephen Kenny is likely to do for the third qualifying round? Or is it a case of he'll go back to going where they began and try and trust it and see what's been working for well, them? I think the it worked so well that now Borisov are, actually, are obviously going They're to be a much, above, much, yeah. much, yeah. much better than the team they played last night. But one of the, the, the big things about European football in particular and playing teams that would be regarded to be better is when you have the ball to try and keep and <clears throat> I would have Robbie Benson in the side because of this for one reason alone now he brings energy and he brings a lot more as well but when he gets the ball even last night you could see his use of the ball was very, I don't think he gave it away once and he's yeah. still whatever 90 odd minutes at a chance he's diving in front of someone on the, on the edge of the box and I think he gives you that little bit of energy playing maybe if you're playing with a, with a three in the middle playing two sitters I suppose with Benson and, and O'Donnell certainly gives you a little bit of protection in front of the, the back four, which mm. they're a very strong back four, but everyone could leave a bit of help with the with the amount of movement and, and good play that yeah. Borisov are going to have. I, I If it was me, I, I would be very tempted to go with what uh, the second half was last night. I guess Stephen Kenny as a manager, and well, look, you know what? I'm not going to actually presume to think for Stephen Kenny or any other manager. I'm going to put it to you as a guy who has managed. Do you look at the negatives and really concentrate on them in the build-up to the next match or the positive. And the example I'll give you is as good as Paddy Barrett and Andy Boyle were at the back, they kind of got caught a little for the Hafnafjord, their goal. Yeah. And given the movement that Borisov are capable of, they'll look at that and say, OK, these guys might have a vulnerability. Am I, am I looking no, too much no, into that? No, you have to. No, and from Borisov's point of view, they'll obviously look for whatever weaknesses yeah. and they'll pick it out. And, and, and Stephen will do the same. He, he will think of how we could have done better. Probably both goals... There was little mistakes. I thought probably Sean Gannon could have stayed with the with the runner a bit better for that. I don't think Barrett was really at fault. Um, he couldn't do much for for that. He just he was flat footed a little bit. Yeah. But I thought Sean Gannon should have probably went with the runner. If he had a stuck with him, they wouldn't have scored. The second goal, maybe the little bit of communication. He, um, he ran off Andy Boyle's shoulder. Barrett could have probably yeah. t- told him a bit earlier, or even got over himself. No, they haven't played. Brian Gartland's been playing most of the season as well, and Brian Gartland is a, a fantastic defender. But I. I even from experience playing against Barry when he was at Waterford Galway even at Dundalk he played against us he's still a very capable defender and, and there will be obvious weaknesses within their side that, that Borisov will pick out though And there's a lot to like about Paddy Barrett I mean he almost scored from a set piece yeah. got up won the header like Brian Gartland he's got a fine set of shoulders I mean I know it's a strange observation but I always refer to Brian Gartland as the, the best shoulders in the league and yeah, Paddy Barrett is a bad either he's is he you know, he's, got off, strong, no. he's got strong upper body And again uh, not, not not only that he can play as well. Yeah, he's a good player, a good footballer. Barrett, he can hit a hit a ping as well, 30, 40 yards across pitch, which again is something I thought they might have utilised a little bit more last night because of um, FH's wide men being tucked in. They could have got their fullbacks out a bit more, but it's look, look they won the tie, and, and that's the most important thing. Does Gannon occasionally get a bit lost out there? Does he occasionally lose runners, or again, am I just nitpicking? Because well, he did of last, last night, <clears throat> and and maybe he's not up against the the quality um, every week that. Yeah. But I, I think he's a really good defender. He's probably the best right back in the league at the moment, especially going forward. There's no no doubt about that. As I said, I felt he he was culpable last night with the if he had just stayed with the runner, I think he, they wouldn't have scored the the first goal f eight. So again, Borisov will look, and they've I'm sure they've a full department on doing video analysis and stuff, and they will look for weaknesses. But but there'll be a few strengths as well they have to look at. And when you get challenged like that, 
in a way that you don't normally get challenged do you automatically improve for the next week I mean does Sean Gannon kind of think that when he's out on the pitch next week okay every time every time a runner goes I've got a track because in the League of Ireland they probably get away with it even if they concede they know they're capable of scoring two or three themselves but in Europe that's not always the case yeah I think when you make a mistake or whatever you, you're, it's, it's probably the thing that's foremost in your mind that you don't do the same things like if you lose somebody from a corner and they score a set piece against you, you don't, the next game you're going out saying I'm not going to concede I'm not going to concede or whatever now it doesn't take away he's, he's a good enough player that it won't yeah. take away from his game but it's a small little thing and, and as I said it could be cut out very easy by just coming inside a little bit and staying with a runner that one particular mistake but he's been fantastic for the last few years Sean Gannon so I'm sure he'll he'll, he'll learn from that and it didn't cost him ultimately uh, Another player who's performed rather well uh, of recent times is Dave McMillan a couple of goals from last night he was the one who scored actually over in Belarus against Borisov last year they'll have a lot to fear from this guy given the form he's in at the moment and given how much he's taken on his shoulders willingly and yeah. gladly over the past six months oh, Absolutely he's been fantastic <laughs> like the, the score, I think he scored on the bottom nine goals or something in the last four or five games a couple of hat-tricks in a row two last night in, in Europe away from home it was fantastic and again the second half the, the, the little bit of change helped him a little bit that, that probably Finn was a little bit closer to him and Benson was getting up there as well and, and it allowed him him to drop in and maybe a runner mm-hmm. go beyond the likes of Ronan Finn thrives on that sort of stuff like in the first half I felt he was he was a little bit isolated although McElhaney was trying to get to him he wasn't able to drop in yeah. and have a runner go beyond him, which is what happened in the second half. And ultimately as well, when you look at the fact that he managed to score away from home against Borisov last year, looking at the results later on this morning, uh, Borisov themselves came through an aggregate 4-2 against uh, SJK. They're willing to concede. Yeah. you know, it, There's goals to be had from them. It's not as if they're... Clearly they're a step above. The Belarusian League has been dominated by them for the past dozen years or so. But they are a side that can concede and are there for the taking. There's only a goal between them last year, for instance. That's right, and and Stephen will, will probably think they've they've learned from that experience <coughs> as well, and and that they've improved. Although they lost Richie Tell, I think he he feels that the, the team is a bit stronger this yeah. year. So there's certainly with it, with somebody like Macmillan in, in form, it's similar to the Pats and the Cork on their European runs. They all have centre forwards in, on form with Fagan and Maguire as well. So he has the experience. He's a very intelligent fella, Macmillan. Even listen to him talk, he, he knows the game, and he, mm. and it's it's these. Games that you're more tested mentally at, and he certainly seems strong enough to be able to cope with it. And the home leg, just to remind people, will actually be in Tala because Oriel Park isn't up to standard for this round of the Champions League. It was fine for the last round, but you're with the big boys now, so they have to go to Tala, which is the home of Shamrock Rovers. Yes, it is. That make a huge difference. I mean, like you know, been part of shell sides have been moved before. You know, yeah, we have, and and. I will certainly say when Bate Borisov last year went into the dressing rooms in Oreo Park that it got a shock. So <laughs> I, this particularly the away, I don't know, yeah. what, I've never been in the home dressing room, but the away dressing room is, 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 is tiny and it's poor. It's, it's, it's very poor and going to Tallow will be a lot better. Dressing rooms are great out in And Tala. it's important they bring a big crowd with them. You know, the chances oh, yeah. are the place will be packed, but you absolutely need that 100% guarantee that there is going to be a few bus loads coming down the M1 to, to make sure the place is absolutely I'd say the jam. interest will be, like, it's again, it's a, hopefully last night will have captured the normal public's imagination yeah. a little bit that they've got a fair bit of coverage now the last couple of days so hopefully with them going on and winning and putting in such a good performance and it was on the telly and people would have seen it and I think that anyone that watched it couldn't help but want to go and watch them again yeah. because it's very rare it's a long time since it happened um, that Irish teams get this far and if they could just even build as you said build on that if, if, if they were to be able to pull it off mm. this year it would be, would be fantastic but certainly getting Talifor would be, would be a massive help to them because it really does help 100%. And fair play to Airsport One for showing the game last week. Um, let's talk about Shamrock Rovers and maybe even manager, managerial situations at large. Uh, Pat Fenland departed last week. You've obviously left Shelburne. Some similarities, but many differences in, in the circumstances of the two of you, two of you lose, lo, leaving your uh, respective jobs. Um, one thing Pat Fenland spoke about on Off the Ball this week when he was in for the League of Ireland stop, spot with, Stewie, with Stewie Byrne was about the, the wider job of a manager in some football clubs. And because I suppose he's still negotiating the terms of, of leaving Rovers, he couldn't really say too much about actually leaving, but he could talk about his job at large and some of the things that he had to do that maybe people don't think about and they certainly don't give credit for. And one of those things is trying to restructure the youth side of things and get your academy right and bring players through. And I found it interesting, some of the things he had to say about that. And... Uh, Here's just a, a snapshot of what he had to say. Like I said, when I went into the club, it wasn't just about winning things. Um, right. You know, it was, Rovers have a history of winning things, and that's the way it should be. But there's also 
something to build on. Um, there's a lot of work, like I said, being done off the pitch, and uh, but it, it was about building building a club for the future rather than just short term. Yeah. Um, and like I said. Um, a lot of people put in a lot of hard work and that and they should be remembered and the other thing it is a lot of these players have, have played for you know we've taken players from Malahoyd St. Joseph's Kevin's boys St. Right. Pat's school boys Belvedere Cherry Orchard Temple Oak they've been developed most of them at them clubs so they should get re- real you know admiration for that we helped them along and brought them on a little bit more I think yeah. um, and you see that now you know I would get great pleasure as I have done previously with looking at the likes of Wesley Hill and Paddy Madden you know, doing really well at, at the level they're playing at now and hopefully in the years to come when I see some of the boys, the likes of, you know, Sean Boyd at the weekend scoring a great goal, Aaron Dobbs, mm. you know, starting the game. They've all played in the team while I've the manager. They've all got made their, had their debut while I've mm. been the manager. So, so I'm proud of that and I think we've left a lot of that behind for Stephen's there at the moment. Hopefully, he can take it forward, and you know, if he doesn't, and someone else comes in, well, then you're looking and thinking, yeah, there's a lot of good young players there at the moment. So, Pat Fenlon talking there to off the ball about bringing young players through and working on young players and academies and all that. I'm sure you were quite interested to hear that because, similar to Pat Fenlon at Shelburne, you had to bring young players through. Now, I know the circumstances were different, or diff- you know, yeah, different, but it, it is difficult, and it is something that fans maybe don't think about when they're demanding success immediately oh absolutely that's it's it's as you say it was it was po- possibly more of a necessity w- with us that we brought uh, younger players through but we did bring bring a hell of a lot through um lads gave so many lads that their debuts over the last couple of years that it it's a very very important uh part of any club particularly in the, the way the clubs are at the moment like if, going back to dundalk hopefully they, they'll be able to invest the money wisely and but most other clubs can't do that at the moment and it's as I say, necessity to bring youth players through. Having the structure that Shamrock Rovers seem to be to be doing very well at the moment, and and I heard what Pat said, and and possibly you won't see that for the next three or four years. Similar to Shelbourne, Shelbourne have a good youth structure. Um, we have a lot of players playing in international teams, which they didn't have over the years. Really, it was more the home farms, Cherry Orchards, Stellas, whatever. But Shelbourne have a good youth structure, and. We'd one lad playing the team, Conor Keeley, that came right the way through, which is great. And that will, I, again, I gave him a debut, so that will give you satisfaction. And it's what you want to see. And ultimately, it makes the, the league stronger. I've, again, with the 17s and the 19s and now the under-15s National League, it can only it can only be a good thing. Having lads that you would like to think that at League of Ireland Club, the coaching would be would be good at all levels from under the academy. We've, Shelbourne have like under fours, five, sixes at, at academy level. And how does it work, Will, say, do you go to St Kevin's Boys or, or Home Farm or Cherry Orchard or one of those clubs and say we like to look at that player we'd like to bring him in and are they okay with that do they see that as progress for the player do they do they see that as progress for their own club at what, you know at what stage do you bring them in can they still then play for St Kevin's Boys if they're with your academy how does it work no they couldn't do that no yeah. they'd be particularly now with the, with, with the new structure it, it, it depends on the club and it dep- a lot of the time it depends on the individual that's run the club if it's director of football or coach or whatever some of them will want to look after themselves and have the players staying there as long as they can. Then so they their do, teams can win and it looks good for well, them. So they can okay. win for starters and, and if the player does develop to go on to play in England say that that they will get the, the rewards of it. Um, but from the player's point of view and it's usually the parents at that age it's it's more the parents and again parents can be quite difficult to deal with because they think everyone thinks their son is going to play for Man United or Liverpool or whatever. My parents didn't you know like that. Well, that's, they, knew, yeah. they knew from the Mine start. Mine did but we were yeah. nearly, nearly got there. But um, well, you got closer yeah, to the yeah, most. Um, but it's 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 something that I think the 15 league will it, it will cause trouble at, at, on some levels because the like historically the say the DDSL under 15s was such a high standard because it was the age that lads were just about to go yeah. away. So there's going to be an issue there. Well, speaking to people who are involved or were previously involved, say in the youth setups with the Republic of Ireland and people who have been involved with clubs, whether they be you know, uh, DDSL clubs, NDSL clubs, etc. And then League of Ireland clubs as well. And we're talking about the youth development plan that's going to be obviously implemented, hopefully by Rude Doctor and what he's looking to do with underage setups with Ireland. A lot of it seems to come back to that fractured nature of club football in Ireland, whereby there is this strata of teams, there's the 12 and the, or 18, the couple of top two divisions. And then beyond that, you've got players who are developing up as far as say 14, 15 at those clubs and clubs are either reluctant to let them go to League of Ireland clubs or they're waiting to cash in on them yeah. with overseas whether it's Scottish whether it's English clubs or what have you is it I'm not going to say is it up to one side or the other to reach out but ultimately is it going to take that 
because people talked before about restructuring the league whereby or maybe if we have like two teams in North Dublin and one yeah. team in South Dublin yeah. but is it going to take a, a situation whereby the clubs that we do have in the Premier Division and the First Division almost divvy up the clubs in their area so by they can not reap the benefits but I'll just work in tandem with developing players within those particular catchment areas Yeah well I think I think the best way to do it is, is as we said about the Shelburne way and the Shamrock Rovers way and have your own setup and have your own schoolboy section But like you mentioned there's the reluctance of parents and the reluctance of clubs yeah. to let players go to them too soon And with Absolutely. your schoolboy section is it a matter that they have to prove they're at a certain level to get in or well, like, no, could well, you do what I did like, with Ballon Road under 12 well, yeah, back in the day and just join up Well even up, up yeah. until our under 17s okay. this year we had trials and, and stuff for players to come in so it wasn't exclusive or anything like that that you had to be playing at whatever level If you're generally if you're good enough now the managers or the coaches of these teams will go to watch other teams yeah. and Kevin's and Again, parents, coaches of of the, the the other clubs might think they're better off staying there, which is mm. which is their own choice. Um, but I do, I do know that that league, a lot of League of Ireland clubs are tr- have have spoken to DDSL clubs about having some sort of partnership or yeah. whatever. And I think if we all want, if we're, if we're all going to buy into what Real Doctor is saying and what the FEI plan and stuff that's in the Conroy report that's sitting on someone's desk somewhere, we have top men working on it right now. Who? Men. But we all know that we want lads to come through schoolboy clubs into League of Ireland clubs, mm. progress, do well in the League of Ireland, go go away, play in, in the Irish international team. And like there it is, it's very it's, as you said, the fractured nature of it is, is tough because there's so many different factors, so many different associations and stuff that everybody generally tries to look after themselves. Well, from your point of view, as uh, someone who's managed in the league and taking the Fenland cases for instance as well, on the other side of that coin given the fact that clubs are the way they're going to make money if they don't get into Europe is going to be by selling players on um, is it a case that you're asked to lean on these players too soon in that you're kind of forced to bring through people who may not be ready for first team football may not be ready for senior football like earlier than you would have presumed them to be ready for I think again without speaking for Packard his case would have been probably different than mine generally if they're good enough like are they're, they're young enough they're old enough whatever you want to say you don't want to be thrown if if it's a high pressure situation, which all League of Ireland games mm. are, whether it's in the first division or the the Premier Division. You you can't throw too many young lads in at the one time, for instance. But if one or two are knocking on your door and you give them a chance, they do well. I certainly had no had no problems in keeping them in the team and playing them. Again, it was a different level to to say what what Rovers would be at. But I heard Pat saying the other day about the young Boyd and and Dobbs, for instance. Like Boyd played against us in the League Cup in the yeah. second half. Like he 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 didn't appear overnight. Like you know. He, they're, they're, they were good players that they've been given their chance and, and now Stephen Bradley's given them the proper really good go in, in, in a massive game for like as I said you, you throw you didn't throw them both in the same time you mm. know, so one more or less come on for the other and um, I think that you yeah I'm sure some people now are probably Shamrock Rovers thinking we might this is going to be good for us now like one of these is going to go away or whatever and, but, and that's football and you talk about the leagues and even at a high well that's the same as the third division club in England exactly, they think the same exactly. Way, and right? if you go like you talk just say Bate Borisov and they're a multi-millionaires and if they have someone playing really well he goes to Liverpool for 20 million or whatever mm-hmm. it is and it's 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 all relative it's, but it's the same principle Pat mentioned as well that the only way to really develop schoolboys and to, to keep them in Ireland rather than letting all the, the, the cream go to England is to try and set up a full time structure is that possible? I think it's very difficult. I, I, I totally agree with him. But Probably have to be centrally contracted because I don't think any club could afford to do that. Maybe if someone will say got to the third qualifying round of the Champions yeah. League and earned 1.2 million they could. But aside from that... But that would be one club. And one that's club, the yeah. thing. And, and, and if you wanted to do it, you'd, you'd really want... Like, there would be no point in, in all the best players, young lads in the country being at Dundalk and, and hammering all the other teams every week. Because they wouldn't get You're any no good for them either. Yeah. Exactly. They wouldn't get the development. So... I totally agree with Pat that he, like, in an ideal world, you'd want everybody full-time, as, as he said himself. You'd want the club run full-time, you want staff full-time, but ultimately players full-time and, and particularly young players learning the right way to yeah. do things and, and getting the coaching and getting the benefits of full-time. And I, I can't I can't see it happening for the foreseeable future anyway. And how about yourself? Any further plans to get not back yet, in Not yet, no. I'm uh, taking a break. It's, it's not even, it's three weeks, three and a half weeks. Um... I just thought I just wanted to have a little break from yeah. it. Uh, I think there was no I talk about pressure and managers, and again, you under people different managers. Like, go back to Pat might have been under different pressure. I wasn't really under the board. Didn't want there me didn't to seem to be any huge animosity. No, there wasn't. Side, no. no, not at all. It was just my own choice. I, yeah. 
because yeah, I was surprised when you yeah a lot of people were very surprised yeah. with yeah. Stephen Ellis in the studio as the so statement was released as well yeah I know he got a bit of a shock but <laughs> if he had a thought about the performance the night before he mightn't have got so much I'm not talking about him personally but, away. but I'm talking about uh, I was so disappointed with the last couple of performances only two or three yeah. but I just I, I was just thinking that just wasn't right just something wasn't wasn't happening at the time and I, I just went and I, I spoke to the board and said look I, I think that I, I'll take a little break from now and again they didn't they asked me to not mm. to go and they said take time and think about whatever but I just felt it was the right time I don't know. I've now planned a moment. I'm just actually enjoying having a bit of a life for a few weeks, and then we'll see what happens then. There's no come and get me plea out there yet. Not yet. No, no, <laughs> not yet. Okay, Kevin. Really appreciate your time. Thanks for no coming problem. in and joining us on the SSE Electricity League podcast here on News Talk. No problem. It's intermission time. We're happy to have you with us tonight, and hope you'll come back often. Thanks again to Kevin for his reflections on Dundalk's progress in the Champions League and also to Oshin, who is going to be slash was in Cork depending on when you're listening to this. I'm back. Well done. How well did done, I get yeah. back so fast? It's not like we recorded this on Thursday before I left and then re-edited it to drop in the Cork City and St. Pat stuff afterwards. You got back here faster than Will Downing and Damien Lynch got back from Reykjavik, so you did, which was a miracle in and of itself. Uh, I have to say though, I actually wasn't watching the game on TV the other night. Um, because the TV was otherwise occupied. With what? Milling through the Gilmore Girls on Netflix because the Gilmore Girls is class. Don't roll the eyes at me. You're missing out if you haven't seen the fabulous work of Amy Sherman Palladino. Um, But yeah, Gilmore Girls is on TV, Mm -hmm. uh, season one, the latter round. Does Eamon Gilmore make a cameo? (laughs) No, he doesn't, although I would like to see that. Uh, But I was watching it on a random... Girls, it's my way or... What was his famous saying again? Oh yeah, Frankfurt's way or Labour's way. There you go, that's what he actually said. Okay. Uh, so I was watching it on the phone on a completely above ground and 100% legal stream. Absolutely. Uh, 100% I was. But uh, in the rambling of watching the Gilmore Girls in the Corner, it was one of those things where you kind of look at a guy and you're like, I know him, what's he from? And it was a guy, a character called Rune, who was a cousin of Jackson. Sorry, just, out with just, Suki. just to clarify, you're still talking about the Gilmore, Gilmore Girls, Girls and not the Dundalk Okay, grand. Yeah. Uh, Suki is now Melissa McCarthy is now a Ghostbuster but anyway back to Rune which is a really entertaining movie actually I have, still have to go and see it it's very, I enjoyed it looking at Rune on IMDb to go where was he from then moved on to uh, see that he was in a movie from 1988 called Vibes which stars Jeff Goldblum and Cindy Lauper and Peter Falk and a llama you know what you Facebooked and tweeted about it's this amazing. last night and I was so delighted you did because it brought back a childhood memory. Sylvia has a sixth sense. My psychic guy, Louise, says your girlfriend's playing bouncy bouncy with another guy. Jeff Goldblum, as Nick, has a psychic touch. Oh God, it's true. Nick, it's not what you think. Another man has been holding these panties. You know I can tell. And when you put them together, you can feel the vibes. Of vibes. It, it, yeah, it was like... um. A good dream sequence from the movie <laughs> when you think back to your dream sequence. You see, I lived in rural Ireland, unlike you, no. Richie. We only had two channels. And while we had a car and, you know, my well dad done. was a teacher. So this is not a story of poverty. Mm. And we also actually had a membership of um, Megavision. Did Dun you Garvin's, version of ExtraVision? Dungarvan's version of ExtraVision. Dun, Dun version oh, of Extra and it, there still is, by the way, a Megavision in Dungarvan. Well done. And it there. has taken on and beaten ExtraVision, which has left with its tail between well, its legs. Do you know why that is? Because they're still dealing in VHS when others have ditched the format. Exactly. Megavision's all the way forward, and that way forward is still maintaining tapes. Exactly. Fair play to you, Mick Irwin. Anyway, there was a guy who used to go around to houses with a van <laughs> full of videos we've been warned about things like that <laughs> no they were all on the level and he used to rent you the video there, there was it, another guy who did it who used to have photocopies of the of the um, covers. covers yeah but, there's, uh, do you know there's actually an episode of that Peter K thing where it's, <laughs> it's called the ice cream man cometh where he goes around and to make a few extra quid because his ice cream business is faltering yeah. he starts selling movies and to the dads few blueies Ah, uh, okay. Well, there was none of that with our video man. That you and knew of. I'll tell you how long ago this was. He had At least six weeks ago. No, so, he had a mullet. All right. So three he was heavily ago. influenced by Pat Sharp or Kyle MacLachlan in Neighbours. That's, well, I suppose, you know, if you were able to watch Neighbours, you were probably middle class because that meant you had BBC. That's what that meant around our place. Or you lived on higher ground because we lived on low ground. <laughs> so you, that, that was literally the difference between, between working class and middle class in my 
childish eyes. You know, the people who had the channels, obviously, the they channels. were just a better class of people. Um, so my buddy Seamus, who lived up the hill slightly, right. we used to go up to him on a Sunday afternoon because uh, he had... a little house had, in Prairie. No, he had a house on a farm, quite, right. a, quite a large farm as well. And uh, we used to watch... little house in the Prairie? No. Yeah. We used to get it off the video, man. Um, and we used to uh, we used to watch the first division live games on BBC or ITV, whichever. It was ITV at the time. It would have been the time with their amazing theme tune. Yeah. See, brilliant. And one day, I think they showed the Return of the Jedi after the game. That's the first time I saw a Star that's, Wars movie on a black and white TV. That's blockbuster TV. Uh, and that's enough of our waffling for uh, one week. Just to bring you up to date with the fixtures coming up, I suppose slashed in half as the are with the European action still to come next week as well. Uh, on Friday night in the Premier Division, Galway United taking on Wexford Udes. Uh, then at Dalymount Park, Bowes looking to make up for that awful defeat. Uh, to Shamrock Rovers last week when uh, goalkeeping Dean Delaney especially didn't really do them any favours Derry City visiting where a win uh, for Derry would move them albeit with a couple of games played extra to within three points of second place Cork City uh, and then on Saturday night it's Longford Town playing host to Sligo Rovers Sligo uh, can make a decent leap in the table they can go up as far as fifth depending on the result of Galway of course In the first division on Friday night Waterford United who were beaten to the first division title back in the season that Sam Allardyce was in charge of Limerick take on Cabantili in Stradbrook Uh, Shelburne hosting Drogheda United and at Lone up against uh, Limerick talk about contrasting fortunes Limerick I think can secure their Premier Division status if they win their next five games I think they have 11 left something like that Yeah It's within the next few weeks anyway Limerick will be promoted And you know who's like we have to pay tribute to Mr Allardyce Yes. Who has currently, I actually looked it up to check that, you know, caretakers like Joe Mercer, uh, Taylor, etc., etc., didn't actually hone their craft in the League of Ireland first. No. They didn't. Allardyce is the first League of Ireland product to manage England. And congratulations to you, Big Sam, and Father Joe Young, who Proud has, um, who's been trotted out on the Guardian's podcast, on the Guardian's sports pages, Five on BBC Live. Five Live, yeah. yeah. And it's a great story. story. Seems like a you know a really decent football man. Uh, Cove Ramblers, by the way, also in action this uh, weekend in the First Division. They host UCD at St. Coleman's Park in Cove, in Cork, obviously. Uh, by the way, that, uh, that uh, Bohemians Dairy game is live on Airsport. Yes, indeed, it is. Hopefully, if Will and Damien make it back from Reykjavik. Well, one can only hope that there isn't watch another. Watch us Reykjavik. Uh, watch us Reykjavik. Watch us Reykjavik. Will, psych. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. We're sorry. Should have stayed in core. On low ground. <laughs>